You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This, this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. All right, Colts fans, time to go behind enemy lines with a very familiar voice, Marcel Robinson of the Jagsaw podcast, the first recurring guest of the Blue Horseshoe pod. So first of all, Marcel, welcome back. Appreciate you coming on back. And I'll be honest, myself and George are both, at least I'll speak for myself, I was apprehensive about asking you to come back on the pod. I'm a little superstitious. We know the last time we had John, it was just an absolute drubbing. Jag just took the Colts to the woodshed, 24 nothing in week number two. But George made a great point. We can't even blame ourselves for that loss because that game for the Jaguars was a free space. You know, it's like water is wet, the Pope is Catholic, and the Jaguars beat the Colts in Jacksonville every single time. So we thought, you know what? It's nothing to do with Marcel. We got to bring him back on here. So thanks so much for uh, for joining us again here. Absolutely, it's it's my pleasure, you guys. We hope hopefully um, for the Jaguars' sake that that after this podcast we can finally get another win because uh, it's 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 tough sledding down here in Jacksonville these days. <laughs> That's where I want to start, Marcel. It's it's a weird question to ask. I feel like I haven't asked this to like anyone with the Jaguars in like five years. But coming off that loss to the Texans, this feels like the first time in a long time you could say that the Jaguars lost a game in which they should have won. What's kind of the mood around the team so far this week? Is there kind of a, a disappointment or a hangover so far coming off of that ugly loss to the Texans? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it doesn't seem that way just because, you know, these guys are professionals. So the, the whole mindset of, you know, it's one game, put in the rearview mirror and and get on to the next week because, you know, you have to focus on the next opponent, not your last opponent. Um, but I think there's definitely some disappointment there just because, I mean, like you said, this is a game that for the first time in a long time, the Jaguars were supposed to win. You know, this is one of the first losses that the Jaguars have had that is a disappointing loss. You know, um, and just because the Texas team and even myself included, you know, I, across the board, if you if you compare these two rosters um, and even the coaching staff, it's just the Jaguars check the boxes as the better, you know, team in every single statistical category and every single, you know, roster spot against the Texans. And to lose a game like that, especially to go out there and only score six points after you, you're coming off losing to, you know, the only undefeated team in the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles and still playing tough and only losing by eight points despite having all those turnovers. You know, the vibe was still pretty high, but after going out there and losing to the Texans for the, the ninth straight time in a row, um, it's just, you know, post-game in that locker room, it was just, you know, a bad scene. Everybody was angry and disappointed, you know, as they should be because that's, you know, um, you know, that 
if you want to be a good team, as everyone has said, the Jaguars are and themselves included. Those are the games that you have to win. And so it's, it's kind of like a back to the drawing board. And, you know, they won't say it, but there's definitely a little bit more pressure to win this game. Not just because it's a divisional game against the Colts, but also because you don't want to lose three and no good teams don't lose um, three games in a row. Marcel, uh, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but, you know, the Jaguars have been moving the ball still really well. I think the offense has, has been put up yards. Turnovers of late have really hurt this team. Is it more a self-inflicted wound, or is it more things that, that defenses are doing to kind of cause those takeaways? You know, it's tough to say. If From the outside looking in, you know, from my vantage point, I would say they're self-inflicted simply because, you know, I've seen what this team can do, right? I've seen them in all of their games. I've seen all their practices. I've seen them in training camp. So knowing what they're capable of doing is something that I would say that I'm pretty familiar with. Now, anytime in the NFL, you have to credit the other team. You know, they get paid, too you know, to play football and you, know, you got to credit the Texans for what they did. But truthfully in that game versus the Texans, they didn't really do anything spectacular. You know, uh, Lovey Smith coach uh, team is you know, they're very disciplined. They essentially, you know, to uh, adopt, to take a turn from soccer, they pretty much just parked the bus. You know, they played very conservative football and said, look, we're going to take what they give us. We're just not going to make any mistake, any mistakes. We're going to wait for them to make one. And the Jaguars made all the mistakes. You know, this this is an offense that had been clicking and on all cylinders for, you know, all season long, essentially. And then to go out there and just sputter, you know, a lot of them definitely are self-inflicted wounds. Um, you know, the lack of running game for sure is a problem. And, you know, it all comes back to the quarterback. You know, Trevor Lawrence has not been playing good football over these past few weeks. You know, we look at, you know, the Philly game and, and all the fumbles that he had. And, of course, a lot of that's attributed to the weather and other conditions. But, you know, some of the mistakes he's been making, some of the missed throws and the misreads that he's been having, it's just simply him, you know, you know just not playing well. You know, we had, you know, down on the goal line, you're in the red zone. You can't throw an interception when you have the ability to either check it down or, or walk, you know, for the first time, live to fight another day. And that's something that he talked about, you know, this week. It's just, you know, you've got to learn how to, you know, every play doesn't have to be the great play. Like, you're a good player, you're a great player, you make the great play, but you got to know how to just to take what the defense gives you and make the, the right play. And I think, you know, it all comes back to that. And look, I mean, it's the NFL. When the quarterback plays great, you win a lot of football games. When the quarterback does not play great, you lose football games. That's just how it goes. You just kind of mentioned, too, Marcel, about the turnovers and Trevor Lawrence, you know, having some issues, especially recently, um, with keeping the ball secure. You know, we saw the first time these two teams met up back in week two, just one game under Doug Peterson. So it's still a very limited sample size of what Trevor Lawrence was with, let's say, a competent head coach for the first time in his career. Now five games so far under his belt. How would you characterize, you know, year two so far for Trevor Lawrence? I think it's still a learning process. I mean, because of last year, I, I'm not one to say that, you know, last year was a throwaway because of just all the turmoil that was going on here. And trust me, there was definitely a lot to be, you know, you're welcome to the NFL is not supposed to be that, you know, on and off the That's field. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but I think in year two, obviously with Doug Peterson, like, we, we have to remember Trevor Lawrence is still a young guy. I think we're kind of spoiled when we see guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Josh mm -hmm. Allen. They come in here and that that pivotal year two is what they call him. You know, in, in year two, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl. You know, Josh Allen looks like he's you know well on his way to getting one himself. And I think that just we, we sort of have to understand that this is still all new for Trevor. He's learning new things. And I think he's still seeing some things that he's probably never seen before um, and just kind of learning how to, how to be a quarterback in the NFL. You know, when he was at Clemson when he was at Cartersville High School, he's always been just great. Like he, he, there's been very little adversity, you know, in terms of on the field. So, you know, I would characterize it as a, a work in progress. You know, I think it's still important that 
that we have to realize to be patient with him. You know, this is a new system from him, new new offensive coordinator, coaches, and everything. But I think in Jacksonville, it's just because of the way it's been for so long, the whole be patient mantra doesn't sit well just because we've been patient. We've been waiting. And, you know, so every mistake and every, you know, what looks like a setback is sort of magnified. Um, but I, I still think that Trevor and Doug is still a good combination. Um, and I still think it'll work. It's just a matter of, you know, working out the kinks and getting this thing rolling. You mentioned the the run game earlier and the struggles that, that have happened there. Uh, if there was one kind of knock on Doug Peterson in Philadelphia is that sometimes he gives up on that run game a little too soon. You've obviously got good backs there in Jacksonville. Is it is it been more play calling right now, or is there a problem with the offensive line? What, what do you think the biggest issue is in the run game right now? I mean, the run game, I think it might be a combination of both. I mean, the offensive line has, has been playing pretty well if you've taken, you know, the entire body of work of the season. You know, last week wasn't very great. You know, obviously, you know, it's been kind of documented over the past week or so that you know, the run game just hasn't been, been there. It just hasn't been what it was. We go back to the Chargers game, you know, and everything was working. But since then, you know, between Philly and the Texans game, the running game just hasn't been working. You know, part of that, I think, is I don't necessarily think it's a bad play calling situation just because you know, Doug Peterson came out weeks ago and he said you, you pass to win the game. Um, and and you you run run to keep the game. Obviously, you know you pass. You, he's a throw first guy, you know, and it's kind of a little different than what some coaches may do. But you know, and obviously with this two back set, me personally, I think the run game has been the play calls haven't been bad, but I think it's really tough when you have two guys who are very different, um, and you're kind of subbing them in and out. They're they're complementary backs, but they're different. And I feel like the running game in terms of football, it's a rhythmic type of position you know so if you got guys coming in and out a couple plays here a couple plays there it's kind of tough to get a rhythm you know the best running game we've seen was the charges and and they they basically rode james robinson he was a hot hand they kept feeding him um, but i think both running backs have been doing well i mean travis Etienne, you know this is still technically his rookie year because he missed all of last year and with james robinson you know what you're going to get out of james so I think it definitely is a matter of the offensive line needing to play well. It's going to be kind of tough because they just lost Ben Barch for the season. They're starting left guard. So we're kind of plugging in the guy who's played a lot of football. But, you know, the, the offensive line is just one big unit. So in terms of figuring out what the problem is, I think it's just a matter of execution. You just got to go out here and play, play, play the right ball, make the right reads and hit the right holes and, you know, just kind of get that rhythm going because, I mean, that's – for me, I've always seen the running back position as is a rhythmic type of position. If you can't get a rhythm going, then you know you just you don't. It's interesting too, because now, like you see, you see almost every team adopting two, three running back sets and kind of always rotating. Now you rarely ever see a bell cow back like a Derrick Henry kind of offense or runner for sure. Speaking of the run game, Marcel, last week especially, not that the Jaguars had a lot of you know explosive plays, but the few they had, most of them came from Travis Etienne, either in the pass game or the run game. If you're Gus Bradley and this Colts defense kind of starting a game plan for how to slow down this Jaguars offense this Sunday, is the guy you circle to kind of take away and stop the most, Travis Etienne? I think if you have to pick one, I think Travis is probably the guy, not just really for the main reason, it's just because he's probably, between the two, him and James Robinson, he's probably the guy that's that's the you're more afraid of to be that potential home run hitter. You know, we saw last week versus the Texans that there was, he was one shoestring tackle away from going 94 yards. You know, that, mm -hmm. that tackle ended up being just, you know, a, a moderate 10 to 15. So I think if you're talking about who you're more afraid of, probably Travis Etienne for that reason. But, you know, I think James Robinson has done enough in this league to prove that if you 
di- you discount him or you you know don't worry about him, he'll make you pay. So I, I think if you're if you're looking to find one which of those guys to quote unquote game plan against, Travis is probably the guy. But I think you need to be worried about both. I mean, both of these guys have the potential to be able to really get off and get going and, and hurt some defenses. What about receiver? Like, would you include ETN like as the number one guy, including receivers like Christian Kirk and tight ends like Evan Ingram? Like, oh, in the overall offense, not just running backs. Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say so. I think Travis has the potential to be out there just because of his skill set. But if you're talking wide receivers, you're still talking about the guys that are listed at wide receiver. That being um, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and of course uh, throwing the tight end Evan Ingram in there. Just because they, the, Trevor has shown that he likes these guys. You know, he's got, you know, he he loves Marvin Jones. He's Marvin Jones here last year. They built that rapport. Christian Kirk, obviously the big free agent guy who who you're expecting to be your number one wide receiver. Um, you know, I'll give you one, Zay Jones. Zay Jones is undefeated at the line of scrimmage. I have not seen one DB, you know, stop him from getting off the line of scrimmage. You know, he's he is definitely a, a home run hitter, a big play waiting to happen. Of course, him and Trevor's connection hasn't really been that great since he got hurt before the Philly game. But you know, I think all of these guys, man, the, and that's that's the thing that's the, the 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 mystery around here is because because we look at these weapons. You know, if you're just looking at wide receivers by names you know these guys probably won't top your list but if you're looking overall you're talking about the entire wide receiver core including tight ends they have a pretty solid group but they just haven't been able to get going you know and, and i think a game like this or a game you know especially a divisional game is one where i think they would like to to change that but if you're talking about targeting wide receivers and forgotten who to game plan for you know good luck because they, they do have a lot of guys that have made a lot of plays and are looking to make more Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Is this is there a sense at all down there that this could be a get right game for Trevor Lawrence? I mean, you look at his history here, the three times he's played the Colts, two and one, and his numbers have been pretty good in, in each of those games. Is there confidence that this is a game he can get back on track? I think there's always that confidence. Um, so I would say yes. I mean, I think that we, we thought that about the Houston Houston game. They're coming off that game against Philly. We thought that Trevor and the offense could go out there against a, you know, a what looked like appeared to be a weaker Houston Texans team. You know, that appeared to be a get right game for the entire team just because, you know, we just think that Jackson was a better team than them. You know, obviously Houston won the game, so they were the better team on Sunday. But yeah, coming into this game, absolutely, I think there's some confidence that, you know, this could be a, a get right game, not just for Trevor, but, you know, both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Um, and of course, everything goes back to the quarterback because this is the NFL. So you know, this is a game where you got to be careful not to press because of that. There's a lot riding on this game. You know, they won't say it. Um, of course, us in the media will say this is a must win for the Jaguars, you know, for so many reasons. One, for, you know, you, Trevor's got to get back on track. You know, you can't have three bad games in a row because then you start, you know, everything starts to kind of creep in and have that trickle-down effect. This is also a divisional game. You can't lose another divisional game to get knocked back in the divisional stand. These games kind of count for two. Um, and then the lastly is just, you want to say you're a good team and you think you have all the pieces and the makings of, of a good team, you can't lose three games in a row. 
So, I mean, for, for me, if you ask me, I'd say it's a must-win game, not for the totality of the entire season, but, you know, losing this game or performing, you know, bad in this game could be the beginnings of a trickle-down effect that is very negative, you know, for this team. On the other side of the ball, Marcel, we saw in week two, this Jaguars defense just totally dominated the Colts offense. Matt Ryan, three interceptions. You had zero points scored. This Colts offense is literally points per game, the worst in the NFL. This is a tough question, but I'll, I'll try to ask it anyway. Maybe we try to get an answer. Is there one area that you are kind of concerned about or one possible area this Colts offense could exploit on the Jags defense or just all three levels are pretty sound in your mind? Uh, I think the the one place where I think that they if there's a a spot for any to exploit it's the it's in the run game it's up front you know the the it's no secret that the Jaguars as a team depth is not a strong suit and you know for the first few weeks of the season we had no guys really no big injuries no got no guys on the injury report for you know a couple of weeks and now we've got some pretty significant injuries not not necessarily guys that don't miss time but you know you got a guy like Foley Foxy the defensive tackle in the middle big run stuffing kind of guy you know when he wasn't in the game it was noticeable you know when he is not playing in the game we can tell because the run game for opposing teams are you know looking pretty, to be pretty successful you got a guy in Damian Pierce. He went for 99 yards last week uh, against the Jaguars, but it felt like 150, you know, just because of how successful you know he was. And I think you throw in a guy, not just him, Devon Hamilton. These are two big run stuffing guys in the middle who suffered injuries versus Philly and are still kind of working themselves back. And then you pop up a couple of linebackers on the injury report for the Jags too. So I think it's the run game. You know, everybody, everyone else is is healthy for the most part. You know, the passing game I think is what it is. Um, obviously, you know, you can never discount a guy like Matt Ryan, even regardless of the struggles, you can never discount a guy like that just because of what he's done. But if, if there's definitely because in, in the defense, this defense is built to stop the run. And if they don't stop the run, we see what we've seen in the past couple of weeks. And so I think this is a game where the Jaguars run defense is going to be of, of high importance. But I think because of the injuries and guys being nicked up, that's a position, a spot where the Colts might be able to exploit some things, which obviously would bode well in their favor. Is the defensive injuries, this last one for me, by the way, uh, is the defensive injuries, is that where you put your finger on right now? I mean, you go back to those week two and week three, you beat the Colts 24 to nothing. You go out to, to the Chargers and you win 38 to 10. Are the defensive injuries the biggest difference between now and then, or is there some other things that are going on that, that maybe were going right then that, that aren't now? I think that may be part of it. You know, I've always been one of those guys, and this goes back to my playing football days, is I, I would never blame injuries on, you know, lack of success or performance just simply because, you know, it's a next man up mentality. You know, obviously, when you don't have premier guys in the depth position, you know, you struggle a little bit. But, you know, I think even the guys that they, they plug in, they're, they're good enough to be able to hold the fort down. You know, I, I don't think that if – I don't think missing Foley, Fautukasi, or Devon Hamilton should result in, you know, 150 yards rushing for a running back. You know, I think if we're talking about what the biggest issue is, truthfully, is that the defense is on the field all the time. You know, you look at the Philly game, the offense kept turning the ball over. And, you know, the defense, they come off the field, you know, they get a three, uh, three and out stop or they get a stop, big stop on third down, but they're right back on the field in four or five plays. You know, that's demoralizing. You know, they, they won't necessarily say it, but you know, that's tough. You know, in the Philly game, you know, the Philly time of possession, they had the, the ratio is two to one. You know, when you're on the field all the time and bad field position, you're you're not really being put in a position to succeed. And sometimes it's a lot to overcome, especially when you're playing offenses that are moving the ball. And you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's fatigue, but all of that stuff, man, the best the best defense is the one that keeps the offense that keeps, you know, uh, them off the field. 
but they've just been on the field so much. And I think it's, it's just a little bit of a trickle down just because when the offense is, isn't performing well, you know, the defense starts to press a little bit. It's like, okay, well, the offense isn't, you know, putting any points on the board. So we got to make a play. We got to make a play. And you start to see a little bit of pressing, some guys playing a little bit out of position or out of their, you know, assignments. And that's when, you know, bad things happen. And I think that's we saw that in the Philly game. We saw that versus, you know, Houston. Um, and I think that if that continues, we'll see that again this week up in Indianapolis. Let's then wrap up with this, Marcel. We know the Jaguars' dominance against Colts in Jacksonville. It's without, you know, it's been very well documented. But on the flip side, to the Colts' credit, they have been almost equally as dominant against the Jaguars at home. They're eight and two in Indy. The last ten matchups, uh, yeah. they play the Jags. So let's let's. I guess I'll ask this question. I think what do the Colts have to do to beat the Jags last time? So I'll ask you on the reverse. What do the Jaguars have to do on Sunday to beat the Colts? Trevor has to play better. Honestly, I mean, the, that's that's where it starts. You know, I think that with the, the plug and play of the offensive line, you know, the inconsistency there now because of some injuries, um, I think it just has it starts with him. You know, I, I think that, you know, as a, as the wide receivers, you know, it's their job to help pick him up when he's down. But, you know, we've seen some uncharacteristic drops from some of these guys last week um, in a bright and sunny day in Jacksonville. And and, I, and I, these are routine catches that I've seen them make. They're tough catches, but, you know, these are NFL wide receivers, and I've seen them make even more difficult catches um, that turned out to be drops last week. But I think it just starts with Trevor. You know, if he, if he plays better than he's played the last two weeks, then there's no limit to what this offense can do. We've seen it. We know what it is. And, and when he plays bad, you know, everything plays bad. It's the NFL. It starts with the quarterback. So for the Jaguars to win this game, it's all about, you know, what they do. Uh, on offense. I think the defense is going to come out there. Do I think the defense is going to have a similar outing against uh, the Colts offense? I think they can. I mean, I think it'd be tough to replicate that, but you know, the offense has got to play better. And it starts, you know, with number 16. Marcel, thanks so much for giving us a, a few minutes here. Colts fans, you want to go even deeper behind enemy lines, make sure you check out the Jagsaw podcast. Marcel does a tremendous job hosting that. Enjoy Indy on Sunday. Enjoy the game. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes and becoming the first recurring guest of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me, guys. I'm looking forward to an away game that is not cold and windy or wet. <laughs> <laughs>